Our Bible lesson is contained in Matthew's Gospel and is found in chapter 22. We read verses 1 to 14. This is on page 1143 of the Pew Bibles. Matthew 22 at verse 1. Let us hear the word of God. Parable of the Great Feast. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared. The bulls and fatted cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honour. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. May God bless this reading to us. Now, if you do have your Bible there, please do turn back to Matthew 22, and we're going to look at this parable together, uh, Matthew 22 and verses 1 to 14. I wonder how much time we spend thinking about eternal things. How much time do we spend thinking about eternal things? We, we think about incidental things, don't we? We think about how Scotland could almost throw away a victory at the rugby yesterday. We think about how Kilmarnock could let in a goal and draw with Motherwell. We think about our shopping, we think about our work, we think about our families, don't we? And these things are important. It's important that we think about these things. But how much time do we think about eternal things, the things that really, really matter? How much time do we spend thinking about the end of our life And what happens to us? Or where we'll end up? Or about judgment? Or about God? Or what it means to be a Christian? 
Now, for some of us here today, we will think regularly about those kind of things. But for some of us, maybe we only think about those things occasionally. Maybe we only think about them on a Sunday. Maybe we only think about them every blue moon. Or maybe if we're honest, we rarely think about such things. Because if we're honest, life is so busy, isn't it? There's so much to take up our attention that maybe we don't think about these things. And I slightly suspect that in society today, not much thought is put into our eternal destiny and what life is is truly about. People tend to live for today, don't they? And put off thinking about tomorrow. I remember when I was a boy and it was my dad's 40th birthday. And I thought, man, my dad's ancient. He's really, really old. But now I've reached 40 and over 40. You think, well, 40's not that old, really, is it? You keep putting it off. You're like, oh, well, you know, 70's not, 80, 90, it's okay. And we do that in our life. We put things off, don't we? In the same way that people put off making a will because you don't want to think about it. We don't want to think about the end of our life and what that might mean. But perhaps as Christians, it's something we need to think a little bit more about. Not because we're morbid, incidentally, but because it's something that is important. Because it's actually an understanding about eternity, an understanding where we're going for eternity, that affects our life now, in the here and now. It's important. Now, this morning we're going to think about another parable in Matthew's Gospel. Remember that we are in the last week of Jesus' life, and after riding into Jerusalem and going to the temple and turning over the tables there, Jesus then goes back out to Bethany, and he stays overnight, but then he returns back to Jerusalem on the Monday. Remember, there was a withering of the fig tree on the way. And there we see him challenging the authority of the religious leaders, who in turn asked Jesus, well, where did you get your authority from? And we saw last week Jesus sharing two parables with the religious leaders, the parable of the two sons and the parable of the evil farmers. And the religious leaders recognized that those parables were said against them. Now, as we move into chapter 22, we see Jesus telling another parable. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is how this parable is introduced. You see, in verse 1, it says that Jesus also told them other parables. Plural. You notice that? There were other parables that Jesus told. But Matthew, in his gospel, he chooses this particular parable. Because as one commentator says, if the parable of the two sons indicts the religious leaders and the parable of the wicked farmers announces their sentence, then this parable, the parable of the great feast, depicts their demise and the reality of what their unbelief will lead to. Now, in this parable that Jesus tells We can understand it, can't we? A king is preparing a wedding banquet for his son. And there are two main aspects 
to the story. First of all, we see the king issuing invitations to those who are eligible to attend. But when the moment comes for the banquet, they refuse to come. And so the the king ends up sending his servants out to the streets to invite anyone to come who is willing. And he invites them in so that the banqueting hall is full. That's the first aspect of the story. But then there's the second aspect of the story because in verse 11, we see the king coming in to the banquet to meet the guests. And he finds a man who's not wearing wedding clothes. And when he has no answer as to the question as to why he's not appropriately dressed, he's ordered out and he's thrown into outer darkness. So there's the two aspects. There is the initial invitation, the refusal, and then others coming in. And then it's when the king comes into the banqueting hall and there's someone there who's not appropriately dressed for the wedding banquet. Now, let's look at each part in turn. In the main part of the parable, the first part, we have this king preparing a wedding banquet for his son. And when it's ready, he sends out his servants to notify those who were invited. Now, in that culture, it was the custom to to issue an initial invitation. You know, the kind of thing these days where it's a a save the date, save the date. You know, we're going to tell you the details later, but save the date. Wedding's going to happen on this day. Save the date, and we'll send you the proper invite later. It's become quite a popular popular thing, hasn't it? And it was kind of the same in this culture. Okay, initial invite was sent out, kind of saved the date. And this would already have been responded to by the guests. They would have said, they are coming. They are coming to the banquet. But then the banquet is ready. And a second invite is sent out, saying to the guests, look, it's now ready. Now is your time to come. Come to the wedding banquet. And so the king is sending his servants to those who we presume have already accepted the initial invite. But now they refuse to come to the banquet. Now this is a clear reference to God's chosen people, the Jews. Already in covenant with God, who have been invited to participate in the kingdom of God. This was done through the the prophets of old right up to John the Baptist. And now Jesus effectively is coming with the final invitation. Now as we think through this parable, it's important to note it isn't the same as the one we find in Luke chapter 14, where the context is different. When Donald was reading this parable this morning, you're like, it seems kind of familiar, but slightly different. That's because it is different from the one you're probably more familiar with. Because the one in Luke 14, remember, there is a man who prepares a great banquet. He sends out the invitations. And there are a whole lot of excuses as to why not to come. I've just got married. I'm going to inspect a field. Those kind of things. And then we see in that parable, the invite is sent out to the highways and byways. And the blind, crippled, and lame come in. Now that parable in Luke 14, those similar is really about an open invite to those on the outside to come in. But this parable 
is really emphasizing the rejection of those who refuse to come. That's what it's saying. Because we see that when the final invite is issued, when the banquet is ready and the call is put out, come to the banquet, what happens? Well, it's actually quite shocking. And it's meant to shock you. Because the responses to this are at best rude and at worst murderous. Do you notice that? Because some simply ignore the invite and just don't come. They just get on with their life. Others seize the messengers, insult them, and kill them. It's awful. Imagine that if you're invited. You know, given the save the date, said, oh, I'll come. You get the other invite, and you decide, well, I'm going to go around to that person's house and, and murder them. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's awful. No wonder we see in verse 7 that the king is furious. Is furious. That's a natural reaction, isn't it? And his response is twofold. He firstly sends out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their towns. And he secondly sends his servants out to invite everyone in that they could see. So those two responses. There's judgment and then there's an invite to those who were not invited before. And those who are invited from the highways and the byways, they're invited because the wedding feast is ready. There needs to be guests. And so the servants go out and they bring in anyone they can find. Interestingly, did you notice, good or bad? No discrimination made in terms of moral sets. No moral distinction is made. And we see that the banquet hall is filled with guests. Now, what is this first part of the parable about? Well, it's pretty clear that this first aspect of the parable refers to the refusal of the Jews to participate in the kingdom of God. And that's consistent with the the last two parables, which really climaxed in the statement in verse 43 of chapter 21, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. That's what Jesus is saying. You see, there are consequences for the religious leaders and the people of Israel more widely for rejecting Jesus. And that's what they're doing. They're rejecting Jesus. There will be judgment for rejecting Jesus. And others instead will be invited. Now, if we know our church history, we know that this is true. Because the good news of the gospel spreads beyond the people of Israel, doesn't it? Because what does it say in the book of Acts? That the gospel... Is for all nations. That's what Jesus instructs the disciples. To go, yes, to Jerusalem. Yes, to Judea. But also to Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. So in this first part, we see the refusal of the religious leaders to come to Jesus. And the consequences they will face because of it. And we also see that the invitation is spread beyond Israel. To anyone who will repent and trust in Jesus. Now the question for us at this point is, what will we do with this invitation? What will we do with this invitation? You see, Jesus invites us. And we know from elsewhere in the Bible that it is God's desire that all should be saved, that all should come into the kingdom. 
So what do we do? What do we do with the invitation? Do we accept it? Or do we not? Now the second part of the parable is where the king comes into the banquet to meet the guests. We see this in verse 11 and onwards. And as he's there, he notices a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Now, we have no idea how the man got to the wedding, into the wedding banquet without the proper clothes. But this part of the parable is here to show us that whilst the invitation to the banquet is to all, attendance at the banquet requires being appropriately clothed. If you go to a wedding, you need to be appropriately dressed. That's true, isn't it? And as the king goes into the banquet and he sees this man, he doesn't have the appropriate wedding clothes, he asks the man, well, how are you here? How is it you're you're in this wedding banquet without the appropriate clothes? And when the man is unable to answer, he's bound hands and feet, and he's thrown into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, you might think that is rather harsh for simply having the wrong clothes on. But whereas the door of the banquet was open to anyone, good or bad, the people who came to the banquet could not remain unchanged. They were to be clean. They were to be dressed. The Bible often speaks of being clothed in such a way as to be acceptable to God. For example, Paul in Galatians 3 writes, All of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. You see, there are no grounds in which we can stand confidently before God except that we are clothed with Jesus. That's the reality, and that's the gospel message. You see, the invite that God extends is for the whole world. But we may only enjoy its benefits when made ready by Jesus himself. And to seek to participate in the banquet on any other ground but God's terms, we will be thrown into the outer darkness. Because only Jesus can clothe us appropriately. Only Jesus can bring us salvation. Only Jesus can bring us into a relationship with God. That's the reality. And that's why. We have to spend time thinking about our eternal destination. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be at the wedding feast. I don't want to be in the outer darkness. You see, the Bible makes it clear on numerous occasions, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And if we believe this, we need to make sure that we take it seriously. To make sure we're going to the right place. There's been much ink spilt over the last verse in the parable. Maybe you heard it, you were a bit confused by it. Verse 14. Because Jesus finishes this parable by saying, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now there's lots we could say about this. But suffice to say, this is not God teasing us. This is not God teasing us. This is not God inviting us 
And then when we arrive, casting us out if we don't have the right clothes on. And that it's up to us whether we're chosen or not. And it's almost a chance thing. Yeah? Inherent within the invitation are the resources to fulfill the invitation. As Charles Price says, with the invitation comes the garment. A response of dependency on the one who called to do it. The reason many are called but few are chosen is that many of those who are called do not allow the one who called them to do it. And this is true, isn't it? You see, the ones who are inappropriately clothed are those who are trusting in their own righteousness, their own ability, their own resources in terms of their salvation, rather than trusting in God. And our own righteousness, our own ability, our own goodness, these things are unable, they're inadequate to bring us into the presence of Almighty God. If that were not true, why did Jesus come in the first place? You see, remember this is the Monday of Holy Week. Jesus would die on the Friday, on Good Friday. Why did he die? One of the reasons was as our substitute, paying the price for our sin, that we might come into the presence of Almighty God, clothed with the righteousness of Christ, i.e. appropriately clothed. You see, when Jesus died on the cross at Calvary, he paid for our sins there, so that when we believe and trust in him, when God looks at us, who does he see? He sees Jesus. He sees purity. He sees perfection. And when he sees Jesus covering us, because we're clothed with Christ, we can come into the very presence of God. We can come to the wedding banquet. So this morning, three things. Firstly, this parable tells of the rejection of the religious leaders and the invitation of the kingdom beyond the people of Israel to the whole world. And it shows the consequences that must be faced by those who reject Jesus, that there will be judgment. The second thing, many are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. It's important for us to recognize that God invites us. Whoever we are, God invites us. But when he invites us, we're not to remain unchanged. We are to repent and be clothed in Christ. You see, if you think back to all that's been happening in the gospel, that's what the tax collectors have done. Remember people like Zacchaeus, immoral, corrupt, when you looked at Zacchaeus and you looked at religious leaders on, the one, on you know, either hand, you would have said, oh, religious leaders, they're the ones getting to heaven. No, because the gospel turns things upside down. Zacchaeus was changed, came into a relationship with Jesus. The religious leaders, they didn't see any need of Jesus. And so they remain in their sin. You see, we are to repent, to be clothed with Christ. That's what the tax collectors have done. And the prostitutes. That's why they are coming into the kingdom. And the third thing is this. There is an eternal reality. 
You see, there's a contrast, isn't there, between the wedding banquet on the one hand and the outer darkness. And I don't know about you, but I want to be at the banquet. I don't want to be in the outer darkness. Do you know in the Gospels, I think this is fairly well known, Jesus speaks much more about hell than he does about heaven. Why is that? Because I believe Jesus loves us so much that he does not want us to go there. He doesn't want us to go there. And so the gospel message is, look, this is the way of salvation. This is how to have a relationship with God. This is how to get to heaven. And it's not difficult. You've just got to believe and trust in Jesus. Repent from your sin and believe and trust in him. You see, you've been invited. But the question is, are you appropriately dressed? Have you put your trust in Jesus and in Christ alone? Are you clothed with his righteousness rather than trusting in your own goodness? Because being a good person is not going to bring you to salvation. That's the reality. The thing is, this morning, time's moving on. Don't leave it too late. Because you don't know the day that the call will go out. Everything is ready. Come to the banquet. When you hear that call, are you going to be appropriately dressed? Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Lord God, as we looked at your words this morning, this is a very direct word that Jesus gives to the religious leaders. And we see the warning that is given to them. But also we take heed of that warning this morning, Lord God. Because we recognize that your invite goes out to all. To all to come into the kingdom. But it's important that when we come to the wedding banquet, that we're appropriately dressed. That we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Father, I want to pray for anyone here this morning who doesn't know if they've got the right clothes on, who doesn't know if they've been clothed with Christ, who doesn't know where their eternal destination will be. Father, we thank you that in your word you show us that salvation is found in Christ, is found in Christ alone. And that Jesus died on the cross at Calvary's hill for our sake. That we might be forgiven for our sins. And we thank you that Jesus rose again on the third day. Because he is the conqueror of death and the giver of life. And we thank you Lord God. That when we believe and trust in him. Then we have the hope of eternal life with you forever and ever and ever. So, Lord God, help us to take heed of this warning this morning. But, Lord God, also give us comfort 
Give us joy. Because what a wonderful thing it is when we have trusted in Jesus and when we're at the wedding banquet. How wonderful it will be when we will be with you forever and ever and we will see you face to face. And we look forward to that day. Lord God, today is the day of salvation. Help us to think about eternal things. Help us to put our faith and trust in Jesus. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.